0: I'm Jacob Tackett, and I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, welcome back. Here we are. um, Episode 9. Man, we just had a couple. We had a couple weeks of a doozy there with uh, talking about race in oh, yeah. the church. Yep. So we got a little heavy on you guys, but it was fun. It was necessary. And guys, again, uh, go listen to Aisha. Go follow her. Support her. She's doing great things. And then we followed up last week uh, with some of our fi- favorite Bible characters. Oh yeah. And that was a ton of fun. And that was fun. Um, We'll do that again. Uh, Maybe we'll theme it or something. Yeah, I think we'll mix
1: it up, you know, some heavier topics, some lighter
0: ones. Yeah, so that was fun. But um, today we're going to kind of get back into it, kind of get into the thickness of the podcast uh, topics and get in the weeds a little bit. Um, And this week uh, we are titling this podcast Politics in the Church, a.k.a. the relationship between government and the church. That is the big C church as well as little c church. So global church, the body of Christ, but also the local church in the small c. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be fun. Um, but as you know, uh, the election is just about to happen. So we thought we should talk about politics in the church. What does that look like? And so we're going to look at the long history of government and church, and we're going to see the, how the relationship has never been all bad, but not necessarily all good yeah. either. Um, and so. We're going to maybe argue that maybe it's been more bad than good overall, and you can debate us on that. You can email us at wonderingpodcast at gmail.com, or call us, or text us. Or add us. Or add us, if y'all know how to add us, do it. (laughs) Yes. Um, But Yeah, so in fact, uh, we think politics, especially in the last several decades, has often been an enemy of the Church, and so we're going to talk about that, we're going to see how that's going to unfold. Let's get to it all right we're back
1: i'm ready for this let's get into
0: it and guys just a little um heads up here dylan's gonna be doing a lot of talking so turn it off if you don't want to hear my voice Nah, he's got a good voice. Turn it up. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, turn it up. So, um, as you know, we have talked about this in the past. uh, Dylan does have his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, all of these things, just so you know, isn't coming out of left field. This is something Dylan does have expertise in. Um, He is well-versed. This isn't something that um, he is just kind of getting off Wikipedia. So. It is well, you know, well researched um, and well thought out. So, we're gonna get into some history. Let's, oh yeah, let's get it.
1: So I thought it would be important for us to start in a you know very normal place, history. So we're gonna start with the history of government and the church or the people of God, um, and we're gonna go all the way back to the way back to the way way back, Oof. the Old Testament. Yeet. So. Looking at the Old Testament, we, of course, had the 12 tribes of Israel and Judah. There were 10 that were Judah and two that were Israel, just so everybody knows. I think that's right, or it might be the reverse. (laughs) So Jacob did say, well, researched. I didn't actually look that up, but I'm fairly certain that's the way it is. This is awkward. (laughs) Um, But that was, as you can imagine, a theocracy, which means that God is seen as the head of the state. So God is the leader of the tribe of Israel. God is involved uh, in all matters of people, um, how people are to live, what they are to do. Um, as many of you know, government is essentially the body that helps regulate uh, the way people live. That's essentially what laws are. That's, it helps guide our societies. So that is what God is doing in the tribes of Israel and Judah. Um, so it's a theocracy. And these tribes uh, were actually pretty separated from one another for a long time. Um, and, as, and under Saul, where we kind of saw the first like real king, they were still pretty separated. Saul wasn't uh, a great uniter, if you will. He was actually a really good divider, yeah. uh, caused a lot of issues. Um, but when David followed Saul, the entirety of the 12 tribes was was put together into the united kingdom, not the UK that we know today, of course. But um, And it was the... One of the first times in Israel's history where they were actually united as 12 tribes. Um, And theologians, historians, they. What do they call this? I can't remember what they call this, actually. I'm blanking. Sorry to my Old Testament professor, uh, (laughs) James Ruckner, who taught me back at North Park. I apologize. You put us through all the ringers on this, and I have blanked it. It's okay. Time has passed, it's been a minute. But that was a pretty peaceful period for them, and it was still a theocracy. If you read through the Psalms, you see David constantly communicating. If you if you read through First and Second Samuel, you see the life of David, his rise to being king, and and how involved God was in matters of the state. Um, so again, just that theocracy. That's your Old Testament theme. Um, eventually, uh, the kingdom would be torn apart by the Assyrians, destroyed in the year 722 B.C. Uh, and then Israel continued to face some some sad, <laughs> sad <laughs> losses and went into Babylonian captivity in 597 BC. So officially scattered. This is the Diaspora, if you know anything about this period. So they were in captivity, and then King Cyrus of Persia, shout out to King Cyrus, uh, he would end up um, conquering the Babylonians, uh, defeating them and allowing... Jerusalem to return or Jerusalem, <laughs> the Israelites to return to Jerusalem in 538 BC. Um, and that's Ezra, Nehemiah within the Bible. You'll see the events. It's called the Second Temple Period. So essentially, they are allowed to return home. Anything interesting to add there? No, what no? I, f-
0: yeah, I mean, what I find interesting is like we talk about just a little of a, Bible lesson-ish, I guess we could say, as we talk about how Saul was very good at keeping things separated, um, and then we look at David, how he came in and united, but did a lot of poor, made, still made a lot of poor decisions just yeah, like totally. Saul did. Like He definitely took after Saul. A little, um, little bit, a little bit. And while he did unite, um, there was still a lot of division in his poor decisions. Yeah, And, yeah. and it's easy, I think, for us to forget, um, looking at the history of between governance in the church in the Old Testament, and there's a lot of really great foundations that were laid out. Um, and as we move forward here, we're going to be looking at the some of the New Testament, um, and then church fathers moving into current day of how, um, you know, like the twelve tribes of Israel were foundational for how we look at um, what it looks like to have a governance and be led by yep. a group, a uh, you know, a a ruler, um, an earthly ruler as, as well as a yeah. as, as well as God. Oh, for sure. For sure, and that's a that's a good point to make, especially about David. Yep.
1: He's not only the David in First and Second Chronicles, <laughs> yeah. um, which is a good example of historicity, If you guys want to look that up, uh, versus First and Second Samuel, which is more, I would say, closer to history. Um, anyways, two different things. Uh, so we flash forward. We are in Jesus's time. Uh, so the Roman government, of course, uh, allowed the Jews to continue living in Palestine and in Jerusalem. Um, but they weren't treated very well, as we know. Um, there were also hostile groups within the Jews that came out, the Zealots, who wanted to overthrow the government. Um, sound familiar at all? Do we have any of that going on? So anyways, the Zealots are part of the Jewish sect. They would like to overthrow the government, and that's the hope that they have, of course, with the Savior to come, that that Savior would reestablish the kingdom of Israel and, and, and affect the theocracy. Um, which they clearly did not live under in a lot of ways. There was an emperor, as most of you know. Um, That's how the Roman Empire was run. There's, of course, the Senate that they had um, that most emperors really loved to ignore, even though it was a group of a bunch of wise men, apparently. Um, Wise guys. Wise guys, eh? So, very different from the theocracy the Jews came from. Um, And... Not everyone kind of hated the government, though, which is the interesting thing to me. Um, a lot, and pretty similar to what we see today, we have a lot of Christians who are maybe hostile towards the government. We have some Christians who are not. Um, but essentially, the Sadducees and some of the Pharisees um, were pretty close to a lot of Roman officials. And in Palestine, in fact, there were, like Herod, um, who had a Jewish history, was in charge of, of um, a province in Palestine, in Galilee. He was the governor of Galilee, and I'm blanking now, I didn't write it down, but anyways, so they were kind of ruled by their own people, but at the same time, people handpicked by the Roman government who would do what the Roman government wanted, uh, which is essentially to keep them in check, I would guess. Um, But this closeness that the Sadducees and Pharisees had with the government is a big part of why I think they were able to gain an audience um that with Herod and Pilate, that would eventually lead to them allowing jesus to be to be murdered if they weren't close with the government, I don't know that they would have been able to have that kind of influence um so again, there's some some marriages there between the secular government and uh the religious sect that has obviously some pretty significant <laughs> Very. outcomes.
0: And definitely how it's played out today, you know, as we we talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I mean, there's not like a, a strong link or parallel with, you know, our government today in the sense of, like, Republican-Democrat, Pharisee-Sadducee, but um, we th- in the Church we like to think oftentimes one party is closer to God than the other, or one belief yeah. is closer to God than the yeah. other, and be... And the same was happening with the Pharisees and Sadducees with Rome. Is they cuddled up to Rome because they thought that that was going to give them some sort of benefit that they were going to be able to um, charge higher taxes and yeah. get you know pocket off of you know the the common people's um, yeah. ignorance or blit, you know whatever it was. Yeah, um, and I think we we do that a lot today.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because this theme and it might just be human that runs throughout all of history, especially with, with church and government, is people within the church and the government, they either serve the people or they serve themselves. And a lot of times, sadly, we've seen the the serving of self a lot more than the serving of the people. Um, and so that's a great example and one that I th- we're going to see through the rest of this history checklist. So Jesus ascends. He's He's risen, he was crucified, he was risen, and he ascends. For the first couple hundred centuries, Christians were not well liked. Uh, they were persecuted, no. um, and even if they weren't persecuted, they were, they were rejected in plenty of places. Um, <laughs> they weren't well loved. So the, the best example of this, this hostility between the government and Christians, is actually Emperor Nero, uh, who came to power during Paul and Peter's lifetime. Mm-hmm. He bad. He, he was not good. So there was a fire that happened in Rome that burned all but, I think, four of the 14 quarters of Rome, if you will. These little, I think by quarters, they meant like neighborhoods, essentially. Not 100% on that, but I think that's what I meant. And Emperor Nero, in his rage, decided to blame the Christians. Said the Christians started the fire and essentially went after all of them, uh, and particularly the heads of state. Uh, and that's maybe not the best way to put it. <laughs> Heads of the church, well, it gets hey, it gets dicey. It gets it's going to get even more dicey as we get further along here. So he is what most people believe the one who kills Saint Peter and Saint Paul, um, two of the biggest figures within the church yeah. at that time. Uh, so pretty significant um, event there between between the Christians and the government. Um, and that hostility would would continue until Constantine um, took over as emperor, and he would legalize Christianity in three thirteen. So Christianity was actually illegal yeah. to practice under the Roman em- Empire, and part of that I think stemmed from the refusal 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 on the part of Christians to do the once a week mandatory pagan rituals. So in that Roman Empire, you had to, once a week, go to the temple, whatever temple was in your town, and you had to offer a sacrifice. So if you didn't do that, it was against the law, and Christians didn't do that, Yeah, Um, which is pretty interesting in light of Romans 13, Um, but I get to preach, you know, just (laughs) in a few weeks on
0: that. Um, Look, you wrote your sermon.
1: I know, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So it was illegal to practice Christianity because it was seen as something that was destabilizing because the, the state used those pagan temples and sacrifices to control people. That was one of the main ways that they kept a hold on their population. So as that yeah. was being undermined, there was stability issues. And so the, the Roman government, once they figured out it wasn't just another sect of Judaism, which was protected in its own way, made it illegal. Yeah. So when Constantine finally shows up, 1313, he makes it legal.
0: And I think it's important before we go too far away from that. Um, like most people, you know, most of the time we, we think about Constantine, we think about all he did was make Christianity legal and then s- Christianity explodes. Right. Um, but there were so many things happening underground behind the scenes oh, yeah. where Christianity was on the rise. Oh, yeah. Christianity was growing, it was spreading. And one of the things that necessarily isn't always talked about in the church is how Constantine's conversion to Christianity, Constantine's making Christianity legal was probably more so of a political move than anything else. Um, he saw the writing on the wall. He saw this underground movement and was like, this is going to be something and I need to capitalize on that. Of course I'm editorializing here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we don't, I don't know that for sure because, uh, 313 was a long time ago. Um, and he's not here to tell us what he really did it for. Uh, um, Constantine, but where there, are you, man? Where are you? But that is the speculation that he saw the writing on the wall, and this was a yeah. political move for him to make Christianity legal, which yeah. I'm not mad about. I'm thankful Christianity became legal. They stopped, in some sense, being persecuted for a little while, but it's. I think that's important for us to note that, um, yes, Constantine made Christianity um, legal, and um, things changed, but... Maybe yeah. for some underlying reasoning, oh yeah, as we talk about politics in the church, oh yeah,
1: I think those are I mean, yeah, you're spot on and and we both we both have taken he Jacob's in the middle of the church history class, but I took it a couple semesters back and a great book if you want more of like a sociology perspective um not necessarily just the church's perspective Rodney Stark's The Rise of Christianity is Yeet a fantastic book um, that dives into a lot of what was going on during this time um, from the politics of it to um, sanitation. How to gross Rome was, Antioch was. Pandemics to wh- what the entire environment was in the Roman Empire during that time mm-hmm. that helped fuel the rise of Christianity. Um, so fascinating book. Um, and so I'm good. with you on Constantine. Um Obviously, all decisions have good and bad to them. I think it's naive for us to ever think that one right. decision is perfectly good or perfectly bad. Um, maybe sometimes perfectly <laughs> bad, uh, but never perfectly good because yeah. we're human. So I'm with you. I think Constantine, the Roman Empire's history of using religion to, to kind of control the populace easily makes sense to me why Constantine would see this rise and go, well, we got to get on board or, or we're going to get pushed out mm-hmm. and the government's going to be completely overthrown. Um, but of course we don't know his heart. So we he could have heart. he could have converted.
0: But it's definitely happening still today. I think so too. So.
1: I mean I think politicians, this is my very cynical and on both sides, will use the term Christian or the the title Christian. To gain a certain sense yeah. of trust with people that is frankly very unearned mm-hmm. and often abused if you look into the way that they <laughs> actually do their job and sometimes yeah. treat people. So,
0: but we'll get there, I bet, here in a oh, few minutes. We'll get there. So, uh, it's on the list. I want to jump ahead. So,
1: yeah, 1313, Christianity is legalized. Um, and that's when you start seeing some of these councils. So, if you're ever interested, uh, you're like, oh, we say the Apostles' Creed. Where does that come from? You can look it up. This was during Constantine's period. There were a lot of battles in the church. He called councils together, what they called ecumenical councils. These councils were people throughout all of the the church, throughout all of Rome, who would come together and essentially settle doctrine debates, which I am extremely, extremely thankful for, because mm-hmm. um, those are some hard debates. So yep. I'm glad we kind of have that figured out. But it wasn't until... 380, um, that the Emperor Theodosius, that's a fun name, Theodosius, um, officially made Christianity the legal religion. So at this point, you start to see uh, old pagan temples, things like that, handed over to Christians to now be churches. Um, So like one of the infamous ones, St. Peter's um, Basilica, was, from what I know, formerly like a pagan temple. Um, So those are the the effects of of making Christianity not just legal to practice, but to make it the official religion. Um, And that is, I think, the formal marriage between the Church and the state.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, we've kind of done this little bit of a walk. So we've looked at, you know, the the 12 tribes of Israel um, in Old Testament time, and then we kind of moved into the section of uh, the time of Jesus, and looking, you know, the Marriage between the Roman Empire and Pharisees and Sadducees, Jewish Christianity moving into Constantine's time and um, him, him making it legal, and then Theodosius, which could be the first born child's name of mine that's on the list. We'll see. It's a pretty cool name. Um, and then we get this uh, marriage between church and state. And so it's like so much has built up to this point, and now something has to take over. Something has to have like the governing body of the Church, what happens?
1: Oh, lots happen. We get, of course, the Catholic Church. Not as the Church we know, so that's the thing we have to, to understand as Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, most of you listening are probably p- Protestant, I would guess. And if you're Catholic, what's up? We see you. <laughs> um, the Church is not going to be just the people anymore. Um which in that sense is more democratic, if you will, democracy of the church, the church working collectively. But instead, it's now going to be an institution which has structure and hierarchy and power. Yeah. Um, and so things, things are going to change, and the Catholic Church begins, and the people in the hallway are they loud. They are so loud. It's like, we do you we not love the people we sign? work with, but, you know, they're, <laughs> they're chatty people.
0: Stacia, I'm calling you out. We've- yeah, Stacia. Come on now. I know you're going to listen to this. We love you.
1: You are going to listen, and we love that you listen, and we love you, yes. But But. the rise of the Catholic Church. So the establishment of the Catholic Church happens. Uh, Like we said, we kind of saw these doctrines, and doctrines continue to be developed now that Christianity is safe, um, and now they can actually talk about things, rather than maybe running for their lives or trying to figure out how to evangelize in a hostile society. They start to get through um, some really important things, and I think without that peace, that doesn't that probably doesn't happen without that piece. Um, again, which is a good good effect of that marriage. Not all bad, but that was part of the good. Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing: the government. This doesn't flow one way. It's not like the church gets all this influence in the government, and we fall. I think into that trap today too. We think, oh, if we get our values and our faith pushed into the government, like, it's going to be great. It's going to look more like us. Well, it flows both ways. Politics flow back into the church itself. Mm -hmm. um, And we see that very prominently in the rise of the Catholic Church. So the church, the government was now using the church, I think, as kind of a vehicle to push their own agendas or attack enemies. If you ever want to read through this, there's a lot of politics in pushing certain bishops out, that certain emperors didn't like because they thought this was the right way to see things from a faith perspective. So they used their power in the Church to, to exile those people, excommunicate them. So you see kind of this dirty game starting to evolve through the institution of the Catholic Church, um, which I don't know that that happens quite as blatantly mm-hmm. if the Church is in the hands of the people, if you will. Yeah. Um, one of the very first people... On the church side that I think really embodies this this marriage between politics and church or government and church is Pope Leo I, uh, who lived in the 5th century and into the 6th century. He was a very prominent political figure. He actually brokered, I, if I'm remembering correctly, brokered some really important diplomatic missions, um, was really put into a government role in a lot of ways, um, and would really set the stage for what the government would do with the church and what the church would do with the government, which is to to kind of work collaboratively, if you will. Um, But to me, it looks more like rubber stamping Mm. what the government wants is, this is God's will because the Pope says it, Um, which not cool. Uh, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) If you ask me, not Mm. cool. No,
0: no, 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 no. Um,
1: So, Popes would actually become, I think, so powerful. I don't think I know. They became so powerful That instead of being the Roman Emperor, you were now the Holy Roman Emperor, and the Pope was the one who essentially picked you. Um, So they'd get, people would say, we think this person or this person, and at the end of the day, it was the Pope who said, well, I want this person. Um, So they would then be coined the Holy Roman Emperor and have all that power Mm. because a Pope said Mm. so, which, you know, coming from a democratic society like we live in, that's unconscionable. That seems ridiculous yeah. that that would be the case, but nonetheless, that's what it was. And we'll we'll finish this this episode up just with this last point. Uh, I think this is really an important lesson, the Catholic Church and, and what it became, and there's so much more we didn't cover that I would love to cover, and we'll actually pick up with I think the corruption of the Catholic Church at the next episode. Um, but I think power flows both ways. Um, kind of like I said with before with um, this sort of influence. Um, while they some people might think that having that kind of influence is a really important thing for the Church, um, I think it's actually led to some pretty disastrous things, and we saw that in the Catholic Church, and I think we see that today, um, that danger of allowing politics to invade the mm-hmm. Church.
0: Very much so. It's a blessing and a curse. Um don't know which side of the pendulum it swings to the most. Um it's scary, but it's also really great. Um and really good. Um so yeah, guys, uh I know that's a lot. We kind of dumped a lot on you um today. Sorry. Um not sorry. Um because no, when we talk about politics in the church, like it's easy for us to just come I think it'd be easy for us to just come in here and be like Democrats, Republicans, how how, do, how should we vote? What does God believe yeah. about the church, of when course. it's so much deeper than that and has so much more meaning and significance than just that one slice of pie. Um, so we thought it was important. We wanted to give you some foundations, some biblical foundations of what it looked like um, for the rise of the church and government, and where did they overlap, where did they um, coexist together, where did they stand in stark relationship with each other. And so, um, yeah, I hope we didn't lose you guys. Um I'm sure my mom's the only one listening at this point. Um, shout out. Shout out to mom. I love you. Miss you. But yeah, um, that's kind of where we're going to stop for this episode. We're going to pick up next week with part two. We're going to kind of walk a little bit. We'll touch on the corruption of the Catholic Church, and then we're going to get into some fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Um we're going to talk a little bit about the Reformation, but not too much because we're going to do some podcast series yeah, on not the much. Reformation alone. It's a teaser. Uh, just a little teaser. And then we're going to get into what it looks like uh, for politics in the church in America and some morality um, politics today. And then what does that all mean to us? What's important? Why does it matter? Um, so I hope you stick with us. I hope you come back next week and give us a listen. I'm Jacob. And I'm Dylan. And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.